Welcome into another episode of Mic'd Up with Mellow and Big Country presented by Mid America RV. Why work from home when you could when your office could be in Yellowstone? 2022 will be the year to rediscover the outdoors. Mid America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work, getaways, and family vacations are all better in an RV from Mid America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at midamericarv.com. A loaded show for us today, Big Country. Oh, yeah. uh, we're going to be joined by Danny Heifetz from The Ringer to talk a little bit about fantasy football and uh, one of our favorite things to discuss, the NFL draft as well. But then we'll also get into um, a little bit more football talk, and then we're going to do a little throwback. Thursday, to where we look back at some of the music and movies from this day in history. I, I just put it in the rundown. I, didn't I, talk. I looked at I looked at the list and I was like, I remember this stuff. <laughs> I'm not that young anymore. I right? am, I'm getting old, and that's what got me. I went down a rabbit hole. I saw a TikTok yesterday. I was like, this song's turning 20 years old, and I was like, no, it's not. I don't believe you. <laughs> I went and looked it up. It is. But we are joined today by Danny Heifetz of The Ringer, who has a great fantasy football show that they do over there. But also, uh, Danny's going to start doing a little bit of NFL draft talk, which I said, uh, obviously, we love. We'll be at the Senior Bowl next week. But we wanted to give Danny the opportunity to come on here, get his take on some of these things in the NFL and, and what's going on over there. So, Danny, we thank you for joining us today. Yeah, what's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, let's start here with uh, maybe a little introduction of what your show is. I know you guys have the fantasy football show, but as we talked, uh, you are going to merge into a little bit of NFL draft too. Yeah, I do a lot. I mean, shameless plug, Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Listen to us on Spotify, wherever you get your pods. We do a lot of great stuff. We do. I mean, I cover the whole league too. I mean, so we're doing a lot of NFL draft stuff. Me, my buddy DK, Danny Kelly, and then Ben Solak, we're covering the draft like the whole rest of the draft season. So I think we're, we have a lot of fun on our show, and it's it's just generally a good time. So shameless plug to listen to us, but also thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to do this with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it too. I'm just sorry that you have to work with Ben Solak. Uh, I know Ben a little bit. <laughs> Ran into him a couple times. Yeah, he's he's an awful guy. Can't stand him at all. But uh, we do thank you a lot. Uh, how long have you been like a, a draft guy? Have you experienced much from draft Twitter? Because that is one of my worst versions of Twitter. <laughs> I think Twitter just generally can rot your brain if you don't do it right. I've been covering the NFL for about five years. My 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 buddy Danny Kelly is really deeper into draft Twitter than I am, and he's really the guy that's like actually grinding tape and stuff. I'm just generally like covering the league at large, so I would say that. I have been paying really close attention to the draft for, I would say, five years. I got you. I'm about the same way. Uh, quick question about covering the NFL. You said you've been doing it for about five years. Who's your favorite team? Because that I feel like everyone, that's usually kind of how people get into the NFL, but then you have to try and find a way to kind of maybe hide that bias at times. And I'll be honest, that's something I've struggled with being a Chiefs fan. But at the same time, it's been a little easier with how successful they've been, so I get more opportunities to talk about them. Well, I think it's really simple, um, really simple, Austin. When you root for the Giants, you don't have to hide your bias because they're not relevant in anything that's going on. So it's really nice to be able to, like, you know, just it's like all your feelings are just dead inside at all times. So that is, like, a really great way for nobody to accuse you of being biased. That's that's fair. How do you how do you feel about the new moves that they've done though? <laughs> how how long you got? I mean, how long you want me to go? <laughs> I I think I think the Giants. 
So here's the thing. So I'm 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 turning 27 in a bit. So like the Giants, the Super Bowls hit me at like the perfect time in life, right? I think I was like 12 or 13 years old. They beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl the first time. That was incredible. One of the greatest upsets ever. Then the only upset, like to run it back, right? Like the United States never beat the Soviet Union again, but the Giants <laughs> beat the Patriots again, and so that happens again. I'm like still in high school. It's great. And then they have a hundred losses in the last 10 years. You have this team that. You know, there's no greater gap between how Giants fans think of their team and how Giants actually are, right? Like, the Detroit Lions fans know the Lions are bad, yet the Giants have a worse record than the Lions do over the last five years. So it's really bad. And I'm actually, maybe this is a hot take, maybe this is Stockholm Syndrome. I think this season, I'm, I'm serious, was best case scenario for the Giants. And I actually mean that because if this team had, you know, stumbled into like a six-win season in something that convinced them that there was more Joe Judge, that there was more Daniel Jones to be part of the year. I actually think that's worse. I think that absolute embarrassment, rock bottom, convincing ownership to step back from being so involved in the scouting process, convincing ownership to move on from Gettleman, that this ownership was, frankly, embarrassed into a reset, hiring the first GM from outside the franchise in 40 years. Good. (laughs) I'll take, like, it's like farming, right? I'm happy for this year. The last three years really took live fallow. So that maybe, like, you know, the next five or ten years or whatever for this franchise hopefully can be, like, fertile. Yeah, and, you know, yesterday the GM came out and said they were going to build around a guy like Daniel Jones. Uh, I think that's a bold strategy. I like their commitment to the quarterback, but what are your thoughts on building around Daniel Jones? No, nah, I think he was diplomatic. I watched the press conference. Joe Shane, I'm really excited about the Joe Shane hire. I really want them to get Brian Dable in Buffalo, we'll see. But I think that what he was saying was we – there, he said, we're going to hire coaches, and then we'll watch his tape, and we'll see what Daniel Jones does well. But realistically, reading the tea leaves, if they get Daniel Jones' fifth-year option in 2023, if they pick that up this year, that's guaranteed. They can't guarantee him money. He has a, a, a neck injury. I mean, this is very quiet because of all the drama with the Giants. They don't know what's up with Daniel Jones' spine. That's bad. I don't think they're going to guarantee a guy money when they don't know if he'll be on the field two years from now. When he's been on the field and been bad on the field, I don't think – you're going to get, I don't think they're going to get, I'd be stunned if they gave him that fifth year option. Yeah. And a lot of it in those press conferences, we know as well, it's like that coach speak stuff. You, you don't want to ruffle yeah, too yeah, many yeah. feathers. You're just kind of coming in there making bland statements. It, yeah, exactly. And having picks five and seven, do you want them to go after a quarterback right there? Or do you kind of want more building pieces at other positions? No, no, no. I want them to, I want them to go trenches. Probably. I think you get an offensive lineman. I think sitting at that five spot, you're going to be able to get an offensive lineman. Who's the worst offensive lineman they're going to get? Probably Charles Cross, right? Like you're guaranteed to get a good tackle. And then I think you go pass rusher and then, you know, if someone wants to trade up for a quarterback, sure. It's like easy to say like, Oh yeah, trade down and get a first next year. Who's trading up this year? I don't really know. But like you get two, you get a, you get a pass rusher because every generation of Giants fan has always had a great pass rush and this team doesn't really have any get a pass rusher, get an offensive lineman, pair him with Andrew Thomas, and then 2023 drafters, team's still going to be bad. Fix the cap situation. Don't expect to be good in 2022. And then you get, like, Bryce Young or someone next year, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. Sadly, I think that's the the plan for a lot of fan bases. Like, even the Lions, they're like, no, don't draft a quarterback. Let's get a pass rusher, and then next year, we're going to get Bryce Young. <laughs> we can fight over. I, yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't know how good I feel. Like hey, but as you told us, the Lions have more wins than the Giants. So uh, Giants are yeah, looking pretty good for that Bryce Young running. Yeah, oh my God. The Gi- Giants and the Jets, man. The New York, New York football is the worst record in football the last five years. I mean, that, I mean, that includes the Browns going 0-16. That includes the Jaguars having back-to-back number one picks. And the Giants and the Jets have the worst record in that span. It's been rough. It's been rough for the people <laughs> out there in New York. You know, there are a lot of rumors, though, of Russell Wilson landing 
in New York that that could be a spot for him, especially with those picks that the Giants have. <laughs> well, all right, before I, what do you guys think of that? Before I give my take, what do you think of that? I will say that my co-host here has kind of talked me into it. I am still really? kind of of the mindset that Seattle can't let him go. Like I, they didn't last year. He kind of put it out there that he wanted to leave. I, I don't think that they will let him go, but maybe, maybe if Russell Wilson really wanted to be uh, just a dickhead and say, yeah, I'm getting out of here. Trade me. This is the team that I want to go to. Then maybe the giants can make an offer for him. <laughs> okay. Who is this working out for? Is my, like who wins? Like, like Ciara getting to live in New York? Yeah, other, yeah, other than her, who is this good for? It's not good for Russell Wilson, who's going to have to deal with the New York media. It's not good for the teams. Like, Russell Wilson's going to go to a team, Giants or Jets, I don't care, who are way worse than anything he's had to deal with in Seattle in his entire career. Like, by a lot. And then the teams aren't going to do well because, what, they gave up all these picks to then not compete? Like, Russell Wilson's going to make them instantly what what's the best case a wild card team like he's not making them anything like that's the entire problem is that Russell Wilson isn't elevating the team I just don't I think that that's I would be stunned honestly I think my thing with Russell Wilson I feel like his career has come full circle he came into the league and why did he fall to the third round it's because he was short and then he proved that you can play short in the NFL. Not that being short doesn't matter, but that there are ways, like Drew Brees has, that like Kyler has, and Russ, obviously, there are ways that short quarterbacks can account for their height to play and succeed and win Super Bowls in the NFL. And here we are, 10 years from he was drafted in the third round, the Jaguars took a freaking punter before they took Russell Wilson. 10 years later, and where are we? Well, Russell Wilson's height is really the difference between what he's doing between Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and stuff. Like, his height is the question. He's now had how many offensive coordinators the last four years? And we had three offensive coordinators. They all try to come in, do a new system. They all try to throw more. And what? They end up doing the Russell Wilson offense. Russell Wilson throws to the middle of the field. The middle of the field, which is the best place to throw right now in this era of the league. He throws to the middle of the field less than any other quarterback. And in the little spot he does, he's the worst efficiency-wise, at hitting receivers in the middle of the field. It's because he's short. And so I think we're at this really weird spot where 10 years after we kind of ended it, Baker would never have gotten number one if Russell Wilson had succeeded. I don't think Kyler would have gotten number one if Baker hadn't gotten number one. Like, Russell Wilson changed the team's think about height, and then here we are 10 years later, and it's like, well, are you really going to give up three first-round picks for a quarterback who, in my opinion, does have a ceiling on his play based on how tall he is? So that I, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. My whole take with it was I thought it would be a better situation. I just kind of thought the era in Seattle was over, and he could go to New York. His wife could have the media that she wants. You, you brought that up, and that's pretty much just exactly it. He gets to be in more media. He gets to kind of do things, kind of looking for the end of football. The light seems to be at the end of the tunnel for him. But like when you really kind of start to break down and look at the Giants roster, there's really not much there. And you mentioned how short he is, so how about I transition this to a taller quarterback in another team who's kind of running into a situation where like, hey, we traded a first-rounder for this guy, and it didn't really pan out. Maybe we see if we can move on from him and get just whatever, and that's Carson Wentz. Do you think <laughs> he is salvageable? Do you think there's any possibility that he can go back to that one-year wonder that we saw in Philadelphia? You know, there's a few franchises that had a game in the last six weeks or so that completely altered the course of that franchise, and the Colts the Colts are one of them. I mean, I think that the Colts losing the game to the Jaguars truly and utterly changed their their, their short-term direction. I mean, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic or anything, but 
if they just beat the Jaguars and go to the wild card round, even if they lose in the play, like I don't think it's quite the um, the, the gut wrenching loss it is. I yeah. mean, the short answer is no, because Frank Reich was the guy who made Wentz good. I know that's like an overly simplistic way to look at it, but if Frank Reich and the Colts are going to be done on Wentz, who's going to be in? I mean, you've got. I, I don't want to go through the top of my head right now, but basically, I'm going to eliminate three quarters of the league based on Wentz's ball security alone, right? Like, at the end of the day, coaches don't like quarterbacks who can't protect the football, and they don't like quarterbacks who are not consistently available on the field. And that's like two strikes on Wentz immediately. I think that eliminates him from a lot of coaches. And, you know, the cult, the Colts are kind of stuck with him, cap-wise. They gave up. I mean, how embarrassing is it at the end of the day? Like, I don't care if it's real football, fantasy football. Can you imagine giving up a first-round pick for a quarterback, not making the playoffs, and then the team that you gave your first-round pick to – does make the quarterback after they gave away the guy that you traded for? Like at, at the fundamental level, it's pretty embarrassing. It, very embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, especially like you said, they made the playoffs. Like everybody expected the Eagles to suck, and we were looking at that first round pick of like, oh, this might be a top five pick that's going back to them. Nope, they're a playoff team. So <laughs> enjoy it. It is. It's going to be rough what they what they have with Carson Wentz. I don't know who takes him if it's Washington. Like you said, you can rule out so many teams. I, I just don't know if there's many landing spots. I don't know if there's a trade market even for Carson Wentz. No, I think they're stuck with him for a year, quite honestly. I think that they're stuck with him and they're gonna you know, they're gonna try very hard to see what's under, but realistically I think I think I don't I would be surprised if they were able to find an alternative solution this year. Yeah, I think it's gonna be tough and, and I asked that question mainly because I was such a uh I'll just be honest. I decided to be the conductor for the hype train of Carson Wentz in Indianapolis and we were derailed very badly. So it's been it's been tough to talk about Carson Wentz. My guy Mello here just loves to bring it up at almost any moment possible. So I thought it might work too. I mean, I I'm, I'm serious. I was kind of like, look, I'm totally in on anyone who had a disastrous 2020 trying to turn around 2021. I'm like, cool, that's enough for me. I I can believe in this. And well, they, I thought they whoops. would beat Buffalo. I thought they could have beaten Buffalo the year before in the playoffs. If, let's say, Phillip Rivers just had a stronger arm, he could have made those throws to the sideline a little quicker. So with Carson Wentz coming in, I was like, boom, there's the strong arm. Same offense, kind of keep that rowing, rolling. excuse me. It'll be a little smoother, get to the playoffs, no problem. And then it just the foot injury, you know, the offensive line injuries and just things just continue to fall apart for him. Then once they got it figured, figured out and things were rolling again, it's like it derailed once more with Carson Wentz at the end of the season against Jacksonville of all teams. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, also, they've lost to Jacksonville like every year of Reich's tenure. It's just, it's, it's tough. And also, it shouldn't be placed entirely on Wentz. They need, they need better skill players, to be honest. Taylor's great. Pittman, I think, is really good, but they need yep. something. I, and I actually oddly like Zach Baskell, but they're going to need better than T.Y. Hilton, who's getting up there, and Mo Ali Cox, and shout out Richmond VCU, but, um, I think they need better at tight end than, than Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle, especially for the way Reich likes, Reich likes to run his offense. Yeah, and you know, uh, you and I are both very good at fantasy football. I almost won my league again this year. Uh, but who are some guys that you're looking forward to maybe next year, guys that we can expect to take a little bit of a leap forward? Well, I think there was kind of a, a, a shift at running back this year, right? I mean, I think that their last four years or so, we'll say there was a pretty consistent top four, right? There was like Saquon, there was Zeke, there was Christian McCaffrey, there was Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, top five, I guess. And now it's like, we don't know. I mean, you know, the, the Saints, obviously Sean Payton just retired or whatever the hell he did. And it's like, what, how good is Alvin Kamara really as a, as a, as a fantasy player? What are they going to do at quarterback? I mean, I feel like 
Taysom Hill on the Saints without Sean Payton is like, I don't know, what is Dennis Allen as head coach? Like, I don't think that Taysom Hill is going to be on that quarterback team, so we don't know what's up with the Saints. I think Jonathan Taylor's clearly become the number one running back. I think it's easy to say Christian McCaffrey's the number two. I think realistically, I think a lot of people who have the number two pick are going to look at Christian McCaffrey and be like, I don't know if I want this guy who hasn't really finished a season in a couple of years. So I think that it's easier said than done with McCaffrey. I think Derrick Henry coming off the foot injury is also going to scare people. Um, you know, you've got people, you know, I, I'm actually pretty bullish on the Steelers running game if they actually get a quarterback where they're not going to have to be in shotgun every time. So you got Najee Harris, Joe Mixon for the Bengals. I think that the main theme for fantasy this year is a lot of new blood in these running backs at the top of the draft. And this kind of change, I think Zeke and Tony Pollard, like I think Zeke's going to go down from where you've seen him in the past. Saquon certainly is not, I don't think, their number two pick anymore. And then also, I think that the other side is, I think people are kind of fed up with running back in general. I think that you see, you're going to see Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I think that people will be more willing than ever to take receivers in the first round. I think it's going to be the first time in a while that I think it will be a very mainstream idea to take receivers in the first two rounds. Because I think people uh, got burned by running back a lot this year. And I, I just anecdotally just hearing it from a lot of our listeners uh, I think people kind of are sick of having running backs get hurt, quite yeah, honestly. I mean, and I was definitely one of those people. So I want to ask you, who did you have this year uh, that you thought would kind of take off in terms of fantasy that did and someone that you didn't? Because for me, real quick, I thought Noah Fant would be a stud in Denver this year as a tight end, no matter who was playing quarterback, and that just didn't pan out whatsoever. Kind of similar with Matthew Stafford. I feel like everyone thought him going to L.A., he would explode, and he kind of went in that little you know four- or five-week stretch of just – numerous turnovers, but who did you have that really kind of took off that you're like, this was my guy for fantasy this past season? Yeah, so I think the thing I was proud of is I think our pod, and I do our, again, I, so I do the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's anywhere you get your pods, but listen on Spotify. And then we're also doing NFL Draft Show the rest of the year, so check out Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Me, I think the thing I'm really proud of is that our show got right the really beginning of the draft. I think that particularly, I think I was really high on Najee Harris. I was really down on Saquon. I think part of that was like an emotional hedge against the New York Giants. But also I think it was watching a lot of the Giants and actually remembering people, uh, what the Giants offense looks like when Saquon's healthy. So I was happy that Saquon was solid. I was happy Najee played really well. I think my biggest miss by far was Mike Davis because I actually felt that it, the, the zero running back thing, everyone is so anti-Mike Davis that I kind of looked at that backfield and was like, I actually kind of George Costanza. It was like, oh, well, all my instincts are telling me not to draft Mike Davis, but maybe do the opposite of what you're thinking. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. But basically, I kind of looked at the Falcons and I was like, they don't actually have anyone else to do this. And I know we always have a running back emerge, but like really, like it was Mike Davis and undrafted free agents. And it felt like at the very least, he'd be a goal line back on an offense that might not be terrible. And I was like, in some places, he was going in the 10th round. And I was like, yeah, why not? And I think Cordero Patterson emerging out of nowhere was hilarious. But I think that the lesson I learned from it really was that it's really true. I mean, the, the, there's this range of average draft position, and it's just, it, it is amazing how often this spins out, but it's just, it's just so true that you really just want to have like seven receivers on your team and the first hundred players are off the board. And the entire reason you do that, in a nutshell, is there's a Cooper Cup and a Debo Samuel every year, not like specifically Cooper Cup breaking all the records in a year, but you want the Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel. And the best way to do that is to take seven receivers in the first 100 picks and hope that one or two of them are the guys you get. 
Yeah, I love that strategy. That's, I'm going to take that one with me. I've been burned by too many running backs. I'm writing uh, it down right now, actually. Think about it at the end of the year. And obviously it was weird with the COVID playoffs and everything. And it was also, I mean, quite honestly, talk about a perfect storm of Omicron hitting the country in December when the fantasy playoffs were going on. Obviously, it's not the main point, but like it's, it was really odd timing for the NFL. But like you're talking about Justin Jackson being like getting third, he was like the number one running back in the fantasy play- in, in one week of the fantasy playoffs. You had Rex Burkhead was the top three running back. You had Sony Michelle came out of nowhere. To, I, I think um, Rashad Penny, I believe, was the overall number one running back in the month of December for the fantasy playoffs. I mean, you were talking about guys that were just not rostered or on, in many leagues at by week eight ended up littering like half of the top 10 running backs for the end of the season. So it's like you can do it if you like you can have a bunch of receivers grind through the first half of the season and like you can find the running backs elsewhere on, on waivers. You really can. Yeah, it's like fantasy football is turning almost mirroring real football now where it's like, oh, I can wait for a running back. But I do want to ask you about your guy, Saquon. I've had a strong take that I don't think the Giants should pay him. I think that he's been very good, but they kind of need to go elsewhere. What's your take on if the Giants should keep him? Should they franchise him? Give him a long contract? What do they do with Saquon Barkley? No, no, there's no reason to trade. There's no reason to, to extend Saquon. I mean, again, like in the most Machiavellian way, it's like did, how many wins do they have with Saquon Barkley? They're, they have. It's, it's like the Odell Beckham trade too. It's like people are like, oh, well, the Giants won the Odell trade because you know, look at Odell with the Browns. It's like, well, they have the worst record in the league since Odell got left. Like, I don't think anyone won. It's like Saquon. It's like they have the worst or the second worst record in the NFL since they drafted Saquon. How do you keep a player like that? Like, at the end of the day, the reality is he's not been the same player since he sprained high ankle sprain in 2019, I think, I have my, uh, actually against Tampa Bay. And it's not actually even the ACL last year or two years ago at this point. Sorry, I can't keep track of time. It's The pandemic's ruined my ability to keep time. But he basically, Saquon, to me, is 3 true outcome. Are you guys baseball guys? I'm, like, kind of a baseball guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of a baseball guy. So baseball is like treading toward three true outcomes, right? It's like right. walks, home runs, and strikeouts. And basically the strikeouts are worth it in pursuit of the walks and home runs because the home runs are just so much more valuable than the strikeouts are bad. Saquon was like that with big runs. Saquon will lose a couple yards, he'll gain a couple yards, and then every now and then a 55-yard touchdown. And he's like a three true outcome running back. And then he sprained his ankle in Tampa Bay in 2019, has not had a, been a home run hitter since. So now he's just a guy who walks and strikeouts. But he doesn't, he doesn't get ugly yardage, whether it's vision or just being so uber naturally physically talented. He never really had to just be like, well, I'll get four, y- four yards or six yards in this run, and I'm not going to get more than that, but I'm going to take it because it's four or five yards. He's just always looking to hit a home run, but he no longer has the power. He no longer has the explosiveness as an athlete to actually get to the fences. So it's um, he's just quite simply not that kind of player anymore. Oddly, he's actually kind of cheap for this year because the because of the way the cap works. His fifth-year option actually went down. He's only $7 million in 2022. You don't have to get rid of him. You just, right. This is it. That's it. Yeah, you're just not going to franchise tag him or exactly. give him that long contract. And honestly, with running backs, that's I think that's where we're trending is, hey, I'm going to run this guy for five years. After that, <laughs> we're just going to kind of part ways with you. We're going to be done with you. But, Danny, we uh, we thank you for coming on with us today. Again, you can find him at the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. But if you're not into fantasy football and you're into the NFL draft, I don't know why you would be into one and not the other. Uh, you guys are going to have some fantasy – or, sorry, excuse me, NFL draft episodes starting next week. I look forward to 
taking a taking a look at those and seeing what you have. I like to look at other guys' drafts and see what they say versus what I have as my opinion. But we really appreciate your time today. Yeah, for sure. Mellow, Austin, thank you for having me, guys. This was a great time. I'd love to do this again. Shout out Chase for um, linking us up. This was great. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. And um, this was good. This was like therapy. I got this was cathartic. I really got to. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you're confirming all my uh, my takes too, like Carson Wentz sucks, Saquon's uh, shouldn't get paid. I uh, also I like had Wentz though with you. I want to let you know, like I also kind of bought a little bit into the Wentz thing because I, I, I you're not alone on that. That's all I want to say. But yeah, thank you guys so much for for um, having me on. And again, shameless plug, Ringer Fantasy Football Show. You can follow me. Um, Danny underscore Heifetz on Twitter. I don't know if you know how to spell Heifetz. It's okay. H-E-I. I'm Snoopy. And then, uh, yeah, I, we really do a great job on the Ring of Fantasy Football Show. We, we, we try our, our absolute best to make it different. And we're doing an NFL draft show. It's Ben Solak. It's Danny Kelly. If you don't know Ben Solak, I promise you, you're going to know Ben Solak. He's an absolute, I, I, he's, he, I, I think he, I think we have stumbled into like the next Mel Kuyper of a generation. He's an unbelievable, like I have. I, I actually just this kid is like I have a coworker where I just like listen to him talk and I'm like I can't believe I get to learn from this kid every day. He's like a freaking legend. So we have a good time too. So yeah, shout if out you have a Twitter account on the Ring of Fantasy Football Show. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Like I said, check him out at the Ringer Fantasy Football Show plus some NFL draft content coming up. Uh, let's get on to the rest of our show though. Thanks again to Danny. Uh, mentioned some of our great sponsors here at Miners and Monroe.com. Go check them out. Use code Miked Up10. Save yourself 10% off. Again, that's Miners and Monroe.com. Yeah, next up is going to be Gunspot. Make sure you visit them at Gunspot.com for all your gun and ammo needs. No reserved auctions every single week. If you're wanting to go hunting or you're just looking for some self-protection, that is the place to go for anything that you might need to feel safe because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to be in a situation where danger will arise. So make sure you can protect you and your family, and you can do that with Gunspot.com. Yeah, in big country, so much happening this morning. Uh, we've been talking – I wouldn't say shit, but we've been talking about how <laughs> these NFL teams, like, what are you doing? You haven't hired an NFL head coach. We were even talking to Matt this morning about, like, what, what's going on here? It pretty much, again, confirming my own opinions on how do you have a, not have a head coach going into Senior Bowl week? How do you scout for a system that you don't know? Well, we had two coaches uh, get hired within the last, well, like, 12 hours, and that's going to be Nathaniel Hackett going to Denver, which is very interesting. I see what you're doing, John Elway. Shit. <laughs> and uh, Matt Eberflus going to Chicago. One thing that we had talked about before, too, was having that pairing of a first-year head coach and that first-year GM, it's going to be difficult. Uh, I guess maybe you look at these two guys and you say, okay, you've been doing it behind the scenes for a long time. I think they can still have success. I know I'm, I was a little leery of the first-year, first-year thing. But if you're going to do it, I, I like the combination of guys that they're bringing in there. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at Chicago, you went from an offensive mind and now to your to a defensive mind. I do love how organizations always do that. You never go back to back on offense or back to back on defense, and if you do, it usually doesn't work out. So maybe you just kind of go every other, and eventually it'll figure itself out. That is what Chicago is doing now. We'll see. I'm not going to try and act like I know anything about Uberflus. Um, so we'll we'll see. I mean, the defense has been good in Indianapolis. We'll look at Hackett in Denver. That offense in Green Bay has been exceptional. Huge reason for that. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Will that we talked about it yesterday? Will they now make that transition over to Denver and stay there and play together once more? If so, every other team in the AFC West. I know I kind of talked about it I was like, oh, they shouldn't because it's going to be too competitive. No, they are pretty much immediately go up to the top with Kansas City like that. It's it's going to be terrifying if that does in fact happen with Hackett going to Denver. Now I know I'm a Chiefs fan, so I probably shouldn't be rooting for this like I am. 
I want to see it happen though. I root for I chaos more now. than any team uh, because I do. I want to see like in the next week, even Aaron Rodgers be like, yep. Um, requesting a trade to Denver. This is where I want to be. And I think there's a good possibility that we do see that happen. And again, Aaron Rodgers is not a free agent. So that's also going to make things interesting. you got to trade for him. You can't just be like, oh, I'm retiring. I'm going to go there now. you got to trade for him. But I think Denver can. And, you know, we even saw them trade off a guy like Von Miller last year, kind of collect some picks. I think they could be in a situation where they make a move for Aaron Rodgers. And I also wonder, did they have discussions with Nathaniel Hackett of like, hey, think you'd get that quarterback here too <laughs> was that like part of his interviews like hey this is all my my schemes these are coordinators i want also uh i'm gonna facetime aaron Rodgers right now we're gonna see how he thinks about hey, this. you want you want to see something cool <laughs> yeah. aaron Rodgers. Yeah. got him in my cell phone uh, AR-12. Number right here <laughs> right here but i i do want to see it happen and you know uh there's also talk of bringing in other coaches bringing in Devonte adams with them i want to see what would happen with it it's almost like their last dance, but it's like the uh, Gary Payton, Carl Malone. Like, oh, shit, we couldn't win it on our own. Let's go join some other team that's already set up for mm-hmm. success. Maybe it does happen in Denver. That would suck. If they go to Denver and then Denver wins the Super Bowl and it's just going to be like, oh, we got, we, why even draft a quarterback when you can just go buy one? Yeah, which is not something you've been able to do in the NFL ever Mm-mm. before. Like you're buying a quarterback or getting one in free agency – was Kirk Cousins. Now you're getting they did the it whole with, they thing. got lucky with Peyton too. Yeah, at the end of his run. That's so Broncos. I didn't even think about the Peyton Manning stuff. Yeah, that's immediately that's the only thing I think about cuz when I was living in Kansas City, yes, I lived there for a little bit <laughs> before you were like, "Oh, did you live there?" Um it was weird the amount of Broncos fans that were in Kansas City that I then worked with. So they would just run their mouth all the time like, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes is going to stink. He's not going to be good." And then he like tears up the league and they get got real quiet. And I was like, yeah, at least Kansas City can draft their own quarterback instead of having to buy one. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. We won Super Bowls. I was like, yeah, because you went and bought Peyton Manning. Like, you literally stole him from Kansas City because you didn't let him leave the building. <clears throat> it is what it is. It's fine. But that's kind of the thing with Denver. But at the same time, if it's, you know, that's your winning recipe and that's going to help you win and get to the playoffs and win Super Bowls, why stop? Especially like, if LeBron you has from- a type. Apparently, John Elway does too. Like LeBron wants the big guy that can also shoot from the outside. Mm-hmm. Like anytime he goes somewhere, you know that's what he's bringing with him. John Elway is like, ah, I can't draft quarterbacks, but I can talk him into signing here. That <laughs> I can might just be his method. Let them know that this is a better place than where they're currently at. <laughs> yeah, right. Like the snow's much nicer here than it is in Wisconsin. Yeah. We ski here. <laughs> we are uh, well prepared for it. It's not even on the roads. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing that one too. And also, who goes by Nathaniel? That's a really good point. Does he? Maybe he goes by Nathan. You I've can't. only known one Nathan in my life. Make sure no one from home's on. Kind of a weirdo. So it's like, <laughs> I don't I feel like I. Do you do that too when you hear someone's name? You immediately go to the one person you knew beforehand that had that name? Um, like the name Jessica yes no. used to be ruined for me because there was a girl in my elementary class whose name was Jessica. And she, oh man, no, there was a girl named Tia. I was going to say, do you know like get, five people? You know one Nathan and one Jessica? I know like 20 of each. Really? Yeah. Mm. I know. That's just it. <laughs> but like there was one named Tia when she used to get mad at me and she'd be like, Austin! She'd say my whole name. Like, how's it getting him? And I'd be like, just like, just say my name. Like, you don't have to say the whole so thing you when you scream it. Say my name. Say my name. <laughs> I pretty much wrote the song. First mm-hmm. grade. But, like, I, I've never met a Nathaniel. I will say that. 
I've met some guys that are like, hi, I'm Nathan. Like, cool. Nice to meet you, Nathan. I know a lot of Nates. I know a lot of guys named Big Nate or Nate Dog. I've never met a Nathaniel. And like, you're not going Nate up to dog. your coach That'd and be, be like, so cool. hey, Coach Nathaniel, uh, what are you thinking on this play? No, you're like, Nate, what are we doing, man? Talk to me. I don't know. Just yeah, I've never met anyone named Nathaniel. Yeah, it's always Nate or Nathan. Yeah. Nate so Dog is kind of cool, though. Well, can't wait to see his introductory press conference. Oh, man. Maybe this is his opportunity to be like, actually, I go by Nate. You know, like when you're your first day of school and like your name on the roster is Nathaniel Hackett, but you're like, actually, everybody calls me Nate. Those are the real hard-hitting questions we need answered before you start this job. <laughs> right, exactly. That's probably part of the interview process that they have there. Uh, but it, I'm glad that we're finally getting some guys hired. Mm-hmm. I, like we said yesterday, I can't believe that we've gone this far Less than a week away from the Senior Bowl. There's also another bowl game going on that I've just deleted from my mind. Not the Shrine Bowl. Uh, but yeah. people are showing up there. I, I guess they're going to be NFL teams. A lot of teams still don't have a coach. Yeah, Brian Dayball still not hired. I, I think we're probably both surprised by that. But I, I would assume that maybe he's the next guy in line. I mean, he seems like a lock for the New York Giants job, right? That's what I, everyone seems to think. Yeah. I, would I mean, think here's so. the other one that we've just kind of overlooked: the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, like they have the number one pick, and they're going into the Senior Bowl next week with no head coach. Now, granted, they still have uh, their general manager in place, but right. every every person that's a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars wants him gone. Are they really going to let this guy go through the draft process and then fire him in the off season during camp? Well, I don't know if you saw this or not, but they also um, interviewed Vic Fangio. Jaguars did, yeah. So they just don't want to win. I mean, that's really it. I would be looking at Brian Dable and just like, here's a blank check, write a number, come groom Trevor Lawrence, please. Do what you helped do with Josh Allen to this guy, right. to this kid, I should say. Yeah, and I, I, I like Brian Dable a lot. I do want to see what he does without Josh Allen. I think it's a lot of give and take on that one. Like the Brady-Belichick thing, like who's really responsible for all those wins? Well, both of them. And with Josh Allen, like, I think he probably made a lot of strides himself and worked his ass off, but also had Brian Dable there to help bring him along. So I do want to see what happens with Brian Dable. Like, if, if he goes to the Giants and he makes Daniel Jones good, you just punch your ticket for the Hall of Fame. I don't care how many wins you get. If you get any Super Bowls, if you can make Daniel Jones look remotely close. He goes from double-digit fumbles to, like, two. You'd be like, oh, my God, he did it. Right? Yeah, I, I think that that's a very good possibility and makes a very strong case there uh, to be a Hall of Famer. But I I think he, he has been my top like coaching candidate. I want to see what he does. Yeah. And the fact that Vic Fangio is still getting head coaching interviews, I'm <clears throat> sorry, didn't feel like he did that good of a job in Denver, like at all. Like when he got the job, it was like, don't even got to worry about him. Not a single fear of like, ooh, Denver's playing us. It, Unless they're I will the Dallas say, Cowboys. Then it was like a shit, we lose by 30. The retread coach has become, I, I think, a pretty popular thing. We're looking at like the two guys that have been hired are new head coaches. But the retread coach, I I would look at some of these guys. Like I just said Brian Dable is my top guy. I think Doug Peterson might actually be. He won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And it's not like he just beat like, oh, AFC's down this year. And they beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah. And this dude is like, not the top candidate. Maybe I'm just making it too simple. Maybe these other guys in waiting are really, really good. Or maybe in Denver, you're like, Doug Peterson's great. He can't deliver us 
Aaron Rodgers. It, it's like when Coach O got fired. Like, hey, yeah, thanks, but you're not in the running for this Manning kid. So thank you, next. Yeah. Maybe that's the thought process. In well, that and the fact that he was kind of a shitty person. I mean, you've made that very well. Oh, known. he's a very shitty person. Coach O, shitty person. Doug Peterson seems to be like a cool guy. Players love him. Why has he not got a job? But, you know, maybe I, I kind of forget about Doug Peterson. It's, qu- it's crazy how quickly you can just forget about somebody in the NFL when they're not right there in like front of your face in the media all the time. It's just they no longer exist when, in fact, they do. And you kind of hear players go through that aspect of things of, oh, dealing with an injury, that was kind of the mental side you had to get over it. But with coaching, it's maybe they take it as an opportunity to kind of fix what they weren't good at before. And I think that's what, like, Steve Spagnola has spoken a lot about. You know, he took that year off. He comes into Kansas City, and he's, like, you know, re-motivated, ready to, you know, be better at what I wasn't before as a coach in certain situations and timings and play calls. And maybe Doug Peterson's the same way. And if he does, let's say, get a job in Jacksonville, I think that would be a great pairing. If you're Jacksonville, you got to have those two guys on your mind, Doug Peterson and Brian Dable. If it's anyone else, I think you've, you've failed again, and you're doing nothing but harm the future of Trevor Lawrence and that organization. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting. I, it is and it isn't because they do have that first overall pick. So where last year it was like, oh, they have the first overall pick. They're getting Trevor Lawrence. You probably have any coach you want. Yeah. But I do think that keeping Trent Baalke as your GM has scared away a lot of coaches. To where I, I think it was a rumor, I don't know if it was a confirmed report, that a lot of coaches were just looking at it and saying, I don't want to work with that guy. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. That's just not going to work for me. So And now they're not even interviewing for that job. But now you have the, the opportunity to bring in Trevor Lawrence last year and now surround him with either a very good offensive tackle or a very good pass rusher. Rest of the draft, a little bit questionable, but like those are the three most important positions in football. Yeah. Quarterback, pass rusher, protector. And you possibly get the best two out of those three back-to-back seasons. Yeah. So I, I guess that the goes best to available, show, I should say, right? How um, how the league views Trent Baalke and what they want to do there. How can you not look at that as an owner and just be like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Actually, like, like, our get, fans came to the last game in clown costumes to make fun of our general manager, right. and I'm going to say he's fine. Or if you get one coach that declines an interview and then is like, nah, actually, I don't want to work with Trent Baalke. Like, oh, okay, maybe there's a little conflict there differences whatever by the second coach i think you got to ask yourself do we have the right guy here what are some other gm candidates that are out there because here's the other question have they even gotten to the interview process like you know like how many guys has jacksonville actually interviewed i know we had that list uh, last week when we kind of did this but yeah i I am interested to see because like chicago like ryan poles comes in he immediately does like three interviews and it's like, boom, this is the guy I'm hiring. Yeah, he's You're not Jacksonville around. for the last two months. And it's just like, eh, we've interviewed like two or three. We're just kind of getting ready for the senior bowl to what we're going to do. Well, I don't think the two guys that you could possibly be drafting are going to be there. So why the fuck is that your concern right now? Yeah, I, I agree with you. The coaching carousel in the NFL been very weird. Um, how about this news today, though? Ben Roethlisberger officially retires. Sad day for football. I don't know how to react to it. Because I feel like we've we've seen it coming. So we've already kind of had our goodbyes and our you know emotional like oh this is it for Big Ben. Maybe it'll settle in next year when the season starts and you look at Pittsburgh you know their first game starting and you look at the quarterback who's playing there and it's like it is not seven and it's going to be the first time I've watched Pittsburgh Steelers yeah and not had Ben Roethlisberger 
on the roster, whether he's playing quarterback or at least injured on the sideline. It's going to be weird not seeing him in his boot, you know, after games sometimes and going, what happened? Is he playing this next week? Is he not? Of course he is. It's Big Ben. He's tough as hell. He's going to be out there and play. Is he mobile? Not anymore. But he's going to drop a beautiful pass, and we're going to go, how the hell is that big son of a bitch doing that still? And then he is. Not anymore. He's done. Spending time with family. Congratulations. I cannot remember who the quarterback was before Ben Roethlisberger. Was it Cordell Stewart or? No, that was earlier in the 90s. Was it Maxwell or whatever his name was? Maxwell. I think there was a Maxwell. I don't know if there was or not. I can't remember. That's how long Ben Roethlisberger's doing. I remember Cordell Stewart. When did he come into? 2004. This is the 2004 draft with Eli and Papa Yeah, Phil. Tommy Maddox. I said Maxwell. Maddox. Yeah, he was the XFL guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I do remember that one. He was bad, though. Obviously, they were in a position <laughs> to draft Ben Roethlisberger. I'm excited for Mike Tomlin out of the whole thing. Like, I really don't care about Ben Roethlisberger retiring. I know there are a lot of people online that are like, oh, thank you, Seven. What? <laughs> like, why? I saw you tweet that. Yeah, as a joke. <laughs> oh, okay. This yeah. is like, when I saw you tweet, I was like, man, I guess Mel's got like, a little soft spot for uh, <laughs> I don't give a shit about Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> I was like, are we forgetting who he was off the field? Like I don't. There were some pretty strong allegations Early in his career. Him. Yeah, there. He was there. like what I know of Ben Roethlisberger off the field, rape allegations. That uh, they're allegations. I don't know if he did it or not, but there are allegations. And then the motorcycle wreck, and then him blocking everyone on Twitter. Like when he goes into the Hall of Fame, I don't think there's any media people that are going to write. Man, he was so nice to us in the locker room. Mm-hmm. He's so personal. And he just loved all the fans. So what a what a great guy. I don't think you're getting that with Big Ben. Good on the field. Mm-hmm. It is going to be it is going to be interesting to see how these next five years pan out for him in terms of how he's remembered or viewed in the media and from the fans of Pittsburgh. You know, there are a lot of guys that retire from the NFL. And then you'll see them a couple of years down the road or, you know, even within the same calendar year where their body looks incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's body in four years is going to look incredibly different. You think he just blows up? Yeah, not in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to see him at the Hall of Fame and be like, who the F is this guy? Yeah. Is that Ben Roethlisberger's brother? Like, who's who's this guy? I, I think I can definitely... eat whatever I want now. <laughs> right? I don't even exercise. <laughs> I don't. I don't do it. Um, so we. I don't know what's going to happen with him or not. But uh, can I backtrack real quick on the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching interviews? Yeah. I forgot that they interviewed Byron Leftwich and Kellen Moore as well. Oh yes, that's the one. And Bill O'Brien. There are a lot of rumors, which is weird. There are rumors online that it is going to be Byron Leftwich, but they're yep. just trying to work out the contract details. That hasn't come from. Like uh, Adam Schefter, though, or anything like that. I think those guys are kind of sitting on this information. But there are a lot of rumors that it is going to be Byron Leftwich. I do like that hire. I really, honestly, not even because like a schematic viewpoint. I like Byron Leftwich. I have since he was in college. I liked him when he was a Jaguar. I remember when he was just like a quarterback coach with the box. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I'm just rooting for him because I'm a fan of him. I don't even know if he's going to be a good head coach. Who knows? He started out with uh, Arizona, correct, before Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, and then went with Bruce went Arians to Tampa. To Tampa, yes. So, I mean, he's had some sort of success. I mean, clearly he has with Tom Brady, and he's learned a lot. So maybe that's going to help. 
But at the same time, it's kind of one of those deals. Like, is he ready to be a head coach, or is this, you know, if this is your guy, you go a year early. You don't, you don't mm-hmm. sit there and wait. So, because yeah. he's got a second interview pending, according to NFL.com, there was a second interview pending with Nathaniel Hackett as well. <laughs> Can now say that's not going to take place, but it's right there with at least Byron Leftwich, and they've already interviewed, like I said before, Bill O'Brien and Doug Peterson. So, looks like we'll see kind of what plans out there with the the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars and their head coach a week before the four days before the senior bowl. Right. Like if you're going to the senior bowl, you should probably schedule to get your negative COVID test. Yes. <laughs> so apparently there are like five left in Joplin, Missouri. Now there are, there's one left. <laughs> <laughs> we took them all. I'm looking forward to the senior bowl though. And also just seeing like with, over this weekend and the course of the next couple of days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I would bet that we see a lot of these vacancies filled. I, I think we were waiting for a domino to fall, really. Like, when, as soon as the Broncos did, boom, then the Bears did. And their GM has been, like, he doesn't even have his shit in his office yet. He just has, like, a desk and a chair, maybe. And he's already <laughs> filled his head coaching job. So I, I do think that we start to see more of these jobs get hired. I would bet Byron Leftwich by you know, Friday afternoon, he's probably the Jaguars coach. And then we'll start to see even more of them get filled in. I just, I can't imagine not having a head coach going into the Senior Bowl. I, I couldn't either. And do you think like maybe some of these hires, you know, like a Hackett or, you know, Matt Uberfliss from the Colts to Chicago, are those kind of like a panic hire? You don't at all? Okay. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. Um, do you want to move on to this Travis this Travis Kelsey take? I didn't know if it was enemy. I didn't know if it was um, Andy Reid calling the plays. I didn't know who it was, but I thought it was genius. And then it comes out that it was actually Travis Kelsey that yep. was responsible for it. And I love the fact that um, they were mic'd up and that we got to hear them uh, that way, but Yeah, absolutely. It, it is crazy to – it was – and, like, getting that mic'd up view from the NFL was was tremendous because you then get to see, like, how smart these players really are. And I feel like people kind of overlook that where all the credit always goes to the coaching staff. And then it's, in fact, it's Travis Kelsey having a conversation with Tyreek Hill right there on the sideline. And then, you know, you get into the game and they're standing on the field and they look at the coverage of the defense and everyone always goes, okay, the coach just saw what the other team's defense is, formation of what they're coming out with. Let's call a timeout. Look, I guess I never really thought the players are doing the exact same thing. And that's what Travis Kelsey did there. It was like, hey, uh, one five. If they, if they line up in that again, that seam is open. And then for Mahomes to go, all right, do it, Kels, do it. And then you hear, like, from the other perspective of Orlando Brown Jr. going, yeah, I heard it. I thought I was getting help on a chip block. Like, I, just, I thought that was to me of, like, sweet. 
I don't have to work as hard right here. It's still going to do my job. That's not exactly what he said. But he's like, I don't have any idea what's taking place. The next thing you know, Kelsey's, you know, 25 yards downfield. This is phenomenal. Hey, I loved it seeing it on the mic'd up thing. Uh, not us. Um, don't want to get that twisted. But the fact that Orlando Brown was like, I think I'm about to get help. Like, cool. <laughs> Thank God he didn't screw it up. Man. No, you got oh, yeah. the guy on the outside. And then just blind rush right to Patrick yeah. Mahomes. But it was at credit to Travis Kelsey. I will say he does not appear like he would be the smartest of athletes. <laughs> and I think a lot of people thought that. But there are, there's so many guys like that that look like they're just a big dumb jock, but they actually know football or they are actually just very smart individuals. But for him to be able to make that adjustment, like if you told me Patrick, Holm, Patrick Mahomes made that adjustment, I'd say, yeah, no duh. Yeah. When he uh, when he was going off the line of scrimmage and he hit you with a uh huh, that's when I knew I was like, oh, the Bills done. Like it, it was even I shouldn't say that I was that way watching it. Like that's exactly what he's thinking too. Like the moment the ball snapped and he's like, uh huh, it's there, it's available. I'm gonna fake this out real quick and then I'm gonna come back in and then we're just gonna rock and roll and we're gonna get this and then we're gonna kick the field goal. Um, it, so we've definitely noticed, I don't know what it's called, but I think I asked you guys about it a couple weeks ago and you kind of gave me the answer of like, Oh, it's like a tracking device, uh, to see how it, uh, kind of works out and like what it can track in terms of four patch Mahomes and his play on the field. Yeah, it was trying to be secretive to you. We're kind of dealing with a little bit of technical difficulties. I don't know what's happening here, so just kind of bear with us a little bit, but we're figuring it out as we go. So just part of it. But he does have that tracker on his left arm that, like you said, will track clearly his heart rate, everything else in between that, how far he's running, the calories he's burning. And then after the game, it's like, all right, cool, we'll take this piece. And we'll, we have all this information and data that we can use moving forward. And the fact that you were able to see the heart rate of Patrick Mahomes in that situation in his lowest heart rate from what his trainer Bobby Strope put out there was his heart rate was at the lowest moments when they were in the huddle and at the snap but they were at the highest like when the Bills were on the field and it's just like damn this dude is just primed and ready to go in the biggest moment of the game and I just know I'd be like I'm gonna fuck this up somehow let's just see how it goes Patrick Mahomes like I got it do it Kels do it yeah it just goes to show those dudes are built different. And also that maybe Patrick Mahomes, a little bit of a control freak. Like, oh, man, I don't have any control over what the defense is doing right now. Heart. Oh, I'm back in the huddle. It's all on me. Oh, thank you. I feel crushed. That kind of thing. Just Patrick Mahomes. It was awesome to see that, obviously. And I love that he's got behind the scenes. In the NFL. I won. We also saw, I don't know if you saw this one, Jamar Chase was doing like an interview or something. And he came out and said that Les Miles, when he was at KU, let's remember, Jamar Chase was committed to play football at KU for a while. And he came out and said that uh, Les Miles wanted him to play corner there. I, I'm mentioning this because I want this to be the new, like, oh, Mac Brown wanted me to play safety at Texas. Let's take some time and let's shit on some other coaches that tried to move great players to different positions. Could Jamar Chase play corner? I bet it'd be fantastic. 
I bet he would. You know, like, but he's also maybe one of the best receivers in the league. So, <laughs> especially like right now. And if you're Les Miles, it's kind of one of those situations. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you got this kid. What was he? A five? He was a four or five star receiver, and you got him to Kansas, and you go, "You're gonna play corner. Well, Get out of here, dude." And it wasn't just Jamar Chase either. He had Dak Prescott, who was he was recruiting him to LSU at the time. He wanted to play him at tight end. It's a like forty million dollar quarterback in the NFL. You're trying to move his ass to tight end, which again, he probably could have been pretty good at it. He's a pretty good quarterback too, and that position is pretty important. Can you imagine Dak Prescott at LSU? Some of the talent that they had there. Oh, if he would have played quarterback, he probably would have been a number one pick, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, like, because that's what LSU was always missing was just a consistent quarterback who could have been good. And I'm not saying he was anything consistent or perfect at Mississippi State where he went, but it's still kind of one of those deals where you look at it and go, you could have had Dak Prescott and LSU during that time and then transitioned into Joe Burrow possibly from the transfer, transfer portal or anything like that. Just holy smokes. Different times. Hey, now way they're to go less. Way to go. Now they're kind of uh, resetting it, though. There at LSU. And, uh, did you see the Bengals thing yesterday? They're trying to simulate uh, crowd noise. I, I did, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> it seemed pretty loud from outside the stadium. It does make me wonder, like, how loud it was in the stadium. Because I listened to it, and I was like, "Hey, I know Arrowhead's loud. I don't know if it's like you know, seventeen speakers cranked up to full volume loud that are supposed to be like." I don't know. Maybe it is, and I'm not trying to louder. Arrowhead's louder. How are you and I so much different on this take? So I listened to it, and I, it just it made me wonder. But, again, it's from the outside point of view, but I was just like, does Arrowhead sound that loud from outside? I would love to see a video of someone record Arrowhead at its peak on a third right. down in the fourth quarter against it, the Bills oh. from an outside point of view. I would love to be able to compare those videos. And I, I did see a, a lot of takes on the video because – the ba- I think it was the Bengals who actually tweeted it out, uh, but they were they were outside. So I think this, the volume inside is going to be much greater than you just standing outside recording it. But I also loved all the takes of like I saw one person that quote tweeted it and said somebody told me that the SEC stadiums were louder anyway. So like why is it why does it matter? Yeah, we, we will see. That's the one thing I would love about Arrowhead, and I will give it credit for. It is a shit sh- shithole. It they need a new stadium. It's so behind the times. It is incredibly loud. Like we talked about the other day, there's an obligation once you walk in that stadium to be loud. It's yes. not just like fans show up and they say, "You know what? I think I'm going to cheer loud today." You will get called out by other fans and like made to feel guilty if you are not cheering loud enough at Arrowhead. Uh, but also. Uh, you better be ready because the last time you faced Joe Burrow, he carved you up. It wasn't Cincinnati, Mm-mm. but there's no denying he carved your ass up. And I just watched the uh, – I guess he was mic'd up during that game. And I loved Joe Burrow up until listening to that. And it wasn't that anything he did on the field. It was what he did off the field. And, like, he just comes to the sideline. And I, I shouldn't even say I didn't like it or don't like him. But it was just one of those, like – this is just a cocky son of a bitch of a kid who's uh-huh. fucking good. And 
he would make a big play and he just comes to the sideline and he just dabs everyone. He's like, yup, 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 yup. No, like, hell yeah, let's go. Keep it going. Just like, yup, we expect to do this. Yup, yup. I'm like, fuck your yups, man. But you just had a 70-yard bomb to chase. Yup it up, I guess. Yeah, and he was mic'd up. I, obviously, he's a quarterback, so he's going to be mic'd up a lot. Yeah, He was mic'd up in their last playoff game, too. Mm-hmm. And they went zero, cover zero with an all-out blitz on him. And he threw a, he threw a screen pass. And then the tight end took it for like 70 yards. And then Joe Burrow comes to the sideline. And he's like, you can't cover zero me. Like, you can't do that. Brah, you threw a 12-yard screen pass. <laughs> like, it's really good that he that he you read the defense and he made the appropriate throw. Popped, too. It. <laughs> but, like, it wasn't just like dump it off and you're clean. No, it was like, you got rocked. That's fake confidence right there. Like, my, my face hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Joe Burrow. I don't want it to sound like I'm shitting on him all of the time, uh, but I do. I'll go back to my take from earlier in the week. I just don't understand why everyone loves him so much, like why we've anointed him so much. Like, if you're listening to this, I dare you to say something negative about Joe Burrow on Twitter. You will get attacked. Oh, bye. LSU, Cincinnati. <laughs> Ohio State, even. I mean, the rest of the country. I saw a thing on fucking Facebook last night, and I've never felt like the bad guy being the Chiefs. Like, I kind of get where the Patriots fans felt like before, where everyone is rooting for you to lose because they don't like yeah. you seeing you succeed. And it was kind of like a, damn. <laughs> like, that's serious. I had this thought yesterday. I was like, damn, I kind of get the Patriots fans. Like, they're going on all these Super Bowl runs, but – the fan base is just as stressed during the regular season. Like, are they going to figure this out? Like, we just lost to Miami, like, on a last-second play. Like, the offense hasn't looked very good. The team's not good on the road. Can they still compete? And then they still find a way to the Super Bowl and win. And as a fan base, you're like, whew, thank God Tom Brady still figured it out. Like, God bless these guys, Bill Belichick. That's how it feels to be the Kansas City Chiefs fan right now. It's like everyone forgets early in the season they were 3-4, and four, last place in the AFC West. Everyone said Patrick Mahomes has been figured out. Just run cover two. He can't get past it. Da 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 da. Here they are on the AFC Championship game playing Cincinnati, and it's like everyone wants Cincinnati to win now. And I get it. It's a Cinderella story. It's Joe Burrow. I'm also going to give myself a pat on the back. So they're a Super Bowl <laughs> contender. Didn't think it would get to this far. Here we are. Now I'm a little scared that I was too right. You know, it's like <laughs> shit. They're going to I win, and it's because of your jinx. You, you jinxed your own team. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Wow. So any Kansas City Chief fans. Um, it's at underscore big country. You can just direct all your messages and hate to him if the Bengals do win. Uh, I do want to update our listeners that it's a great part about doing this show live on the call-in app. Um, there are reports that the Jaguars are close to hiring Adrian Wilson as their GM and Byron Leftwich as their head coach. That The hang-up with the Jaguars is the fact that Leftwich doesn't want to work with Balky and wants to bring in Adrian Wilson, who used to be a phenomenal safety with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. as their GM. I love it. I love it. Do <laughs> it. Tear it up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it happen. You uh, are left with Jax was going to be like, I guess we're going uh, rookie GM, rookie coach. It's got to be better than experienced GM and experienced college coach. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be better than a bad GM <laughs> and uh, groper at head coach, that's for sure. Uh, but that's just an interesting little nugget to keep your eye on because I think it was like two nights ago. The the rumor started about Byron Leftwich. I honestly I expected to talk about it on the show yesterday, but nothing got confirmed. And then talking about it a little bit today, it's I guess it sounds like it is still going to be Byron Leftwich as the head coach of the Jaguars, but that he wants to bring in uh, GM candidate Adrian Wilson along with him. And like I said, 
I'm down for it. Uh, but let's transition to something a little bit different, as we like to do on this show. But let's first remember our great sponsors at Club 609, home of the best happy hour in all of the world. Uh, Two-for-one drink specials, $2 draft pours, right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri, at Club 609. Well, another spot located right here in the heart of Joplin, Missouri, is Downtown Lube, off 1st and Main Street. They specialize in tires and lube, but We make it sound like Downtown Joplin is, like, popping. Like, oh, man, there's Club 609. What are you talking about? It is. There's Downtown Lube. And that's it. <laughs> there are two good businesses downtown in Joplin. We got a we got a brewery down here. We got some hot coffee shops. Uh, what is some boutiques for the ladies? So guys, come on in. Bring Shit the ladies, of those. Have them hit the shops. I'll leave you alone. By that time, you get about six drinks and six or nine. Then you say, "I got three. Don't tell her the two for one. Yeah. Then you're ready to roll. And all here's this my time, ticket. Look, it's one. I got I got one drink. That's boom, it. Boom boom boom. Look at it's that. Like I got two. <laughs> you're gonna love it. And then then that whole time. Spanish like, all right, I'm going to go get my oil changed and my tire service. And by the time that gets done, I'll have my two, three drinks. And my wife's going to have a new a new top that she's excited to wear out for dinner tonight because we're going to go back to 609 and eat dinner. That top but, looks great. It looks better on my floor. Oh, you dog. Come to <laughs> Joplin, Missouri. Again, Downtown Lube. Visit them at downtownlube.com for their full list of services. They are much more than tires and lube, even though that is what they specialize in. Also, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you're going to need that oil change in those tire service. Make sure you get that done right here again in the heart of Joplin, Missouri at Downtown Lube. I think I forgot to do that on our first break, but I uh, yeah. let's get weird here for a second. I get some DMs sometimes. My at on Twitter is at Mellow. M-E-L-L-O. Over the course of the last two days, it's it's gotten really weird, honestly. There's a cryptocurrency out there that uses the name Mellow, and I I guess, judging by my DMs, they are they've done some scummy stuff. I don't know. I don't follow crypto. I'm not a crypto guy. I have absolutely zero part of this company. I feel like I need to put that out there right now. That ain't me. <laughs> I get tagged in it sometimes on accident because people like will try to do mellow dot crypto or whatever it is. That ain't me. <laughs> okay. So stop being mad at me in my DMs. I'm not taking your money. <laughs> so there is a mellow crypto? There is. So and maybe you should message them and be like, since I'm mellow and you're mellow crypto, maybe you just give me some. Before they've tried to buy my app. They were one of the oh. one of the few people who've been like, Hey, what's your price tag? I show them the price tag and like, nah, too much. <laughs> uh, but also, I uh, got another DM this morning. It's really interesting. I'm going to read it right here live. Uh-oh. It says, are you interested in being my sugar baby? $500 weekly allowance for me. I think I'm going to jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> I there's no chance week, that it's fake. Sh- hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Sugar baby. Sugar baby. She's going to pay me Five hundred dollars. I'm just glad you clarified the she, so it's a sugar mama. I didn't realize they had a name for whoever they were supporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a sugar mama's like, ah, this is my sugar baby, mm-hmm. and you're like, you my sugar mama, and yeah. it's just sugar, sugar. <laughs> right. I don't know what we're gonna do with all this sugar. Do I come back and negotiate at a higher rate? Like five's good, but I, I have another one, and so we're gonna need to get it like seven fifty. <laughs> Seven fifty, and I'm all yours. Five hundred dollars a week plus you subscribe on the call in app to Mike Up. <laughs> and I'm done. You gotta ask some qualifying questions at least. Yeah, what will be required of me each week? Oh, I meant more of like, are you a real person? How about you give me a nah, call? We'll free. She's got five tweets. <laughs> <laughs> it seems pretty real. 
I can tell she's older. She doesn't know how to work Twitter yet. Her pictures definitely don't look like they're stolen off somebody's <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Seems pretty legit. So, uh, yeah, now I'm uh, pretty much rolling in the money. Extra $500 a week coming my way because I'm somebody's sugar baby. Uh, so, so where are you going on your next trip? Because I'm sure Southwest is going to send you notifications like, hey, $69 flights, travel anywhere you want. And it's actually somewhere in the middle of California right? that has no value to visit. I'm still waiting for that Nigerian prince to uh, update me on what's going on with his situation. Sent him like $500 20 years ago. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> You're too young for that talk. Yeah. They, there used to be a spam email of like, I'm the prince of Nigeria. I don't even remember it because I was like 12 years old reading it. And be like, wish I could help you out, buddy, but I'm <laughs> 12 years old. So I got, I got no money to send you. I got $3. But people actually like paid it. It was just a scam. Obviously, it wasn't the prince of Nigeria. But people were just like, yep, here's my money. Take it. And guess what? He probably did. Or he's in jail now. I never followed up. Uh, but speaking of 20 years ago, we can do a little throwback Thursday, as we alluded to at the beginning of the show. Um, on this day, 20 years ago, the number one song on the radio, I couldn't believe it because I just listened to this like two days ago, was Usher, You Got It Bad, 20 years old. So you know how I'm bad at actually remembering what songs are called. Can you give me like a quick blurb of the chorus? You got it, you got it bad. Okay, yep. That one. I heard you sing that the other day on the way home from the city. You know what? I used to be really embarrassed to do things like singing out loud. I don't give a fuck anymore. Uh, clearly. Yep. Dude, I mean, what album was that on? Do you know? Was that on any of his confessions? I think it was albums? the You Got It Bad album. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Look at that. <laughs> That's crazy. Off the top of my head, if I have to remember it, uh, I think that was the one. But 20 years ago. I can't believe it. Also, back to my whole, like, I'm not embarrassed to do things anymore. If you ask me to sing, I'm going to give you the song. I, I pull that joke on a lot of people like, oh, I just can't remember. How's it go? Because I like to hear people sing. I'm not good at singing, but I enjoy doing that's, it. See, that's a bold-faced lie. You actually are. Well, the people just heard it. I'm not good at golf. Well, that was your, fake, like to do that was your fake singing. I've, I've heard you actually belt it out. Your mom can sing. Your dad can sing. Hell, your brother Matt can sing. At NFL Draft Scout. Also, thanks for listening. But it's another one of these situations like you guys are like, ah, oh, I can't sing. I've heard you fuckers sing <laughs> several times on road trips. Y'all can sing. I think you just maybe don't have an ear for. for I mean, I'm not about to sit here and say I can sing. <laughs> but that golfing, <laughs> again, I'm very bad at it, but I like to do it. Dancing, if I go to a concert, dance my little ass off. I don't care who's <laughs> watching. It's like that song said, dance like nobody's watching. Bet. That's what I'm going to do. I went to a Casey Musgraves concert over the weekend, and my daughters were like, "Add one of them, the youngest one, I can't contain. She's all over the place. Yeah, that's, She's dancing. in trouble with that. A lot of trouble. My oldest one is like, eh, I don't really want to. There's a lot of people here. I'm not really a dancer. I'm like, you just don't be embarrassed. Everybody's doing it. Like, there are people literally sitting in front of us. That are too drunk to stand up right now, but they're trying to dance. Did you say that to her? Yeah, it was very obvious. Yeah. We actually had a bet uh, when we got there of like, hey, which one's going to fall down first? <laughs> and all three of us were like, the one on the left is definitely going down first. So it was something we were watching for the whole night. Halfway through, girl on the right takes a tumble, about goes down the stairs. Ooh. <laughs> Real bad. Uh, shout out to that guardrail that saved her. 
it was a heavy duty garbage. <laughs> 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 to mention that one as well. It was a great time though, but I don't care. Sometimes I get a little shy with the karaoke in though. I don't like to do it by myself. I don't have a problem with singing by myself. I don't like it when all the attention is just on me though. Like, yeah. Let's share it. Let's spread the wealth. A little so bit. I've been in this situation before because you guys have bet me money. Like, go, you won't go sing the song. And I was like, Psh, oh, I got uh, the video. Send me the money. I'm there. And then I do my job of like that promoter. It was like, I'm letting everyone know in the crowd, like, hey, I'm about to go up there. This is going to be bad. Let's just all be in it together. And then I get them to the front, and I'll tell you what, I just rock the stage. I own that stage. That little six by four piece of stage is mine with the mic. Mic stand in one hand, rocking it in the other. I just feel like a superstar up there. And then I realized this song is a lot longer than I thought it was. I really don't know the words. Yeah, I'm so I- off tune. I'm just going to talk to the crowd. And I know it's not good. I know I feel good. It doesn't look you're good. You're a good performer. I'm not going to lie to you and say, like, oh, man, you're a good singer like you just did to me. Uh, but you're a performer. <laughs> you, you, and you do. You, like, crowdsource. And like, hey, in two minutes I'm going to be on stage. Will you please come up there? And, and then I'm you, like, good enough people to where, into getting up there. <laughs> you know, and I remember their names. So if they don't come up, I'll scream at them. I'll be like, David, you said you and your girl Lacey were going to come up here. You're not. I believe I can fly. See, it just hop right back in. I don't know. It just, I don't, it happens. That's my shower song. Uh, I only ten, know like two phrases, two lines of that song. Tell ten years ago, yes. the number one song, uh, We Found Love by Rihanna. I would sing that one. I don't know enough of the words. We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. That's all oh, I got. Yeah, yeah. Found love in a hopeless place. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's I'm done. If you want more, you got to pay for it. Okay. Yeah. If you're yep. good at something, don't do it for free. <laughs> I couldn't believe that song was 10 years old. I, I didn't know it was either. Holy cow. Ten also, years ago. 10 years ago, I was a sophomore in high school. Where'd Rihanna go? <laughs> she was a number Dude, one she's hit. She's made years so ago. much freaking money. She's just like, I can do whatever I want for the rest of my life. Here's a picture of me with like pretty much see through clothes on, and everyone flips out about it, and then she just goes back to hiding. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen anything. Rihanna. Here's a question. Do you think? Do you find Rihanna very attractive? Uh, I think so. I used to. Again, I haven't I seen just her. Remember, in I think it was your guys' show. It was like you know who's like the most attractive celebrity, and everyone's answer was Rihanna. And I was like, I guess I just don't see it. Hmm. I think she's attractive. I just was never like uh, top Rihanna or Beyonce. Ooh, Beyonce. Um, and Rihanna. Really? I think Beyonce's overrated. Yeah. Bold take in all aspects. Like she's clearly very pretty. It's like that old office joke. Like it's not is she hot? It's would you do her? <laughs> she's very pretty. I'm not, but yeah. like her music is good, but it's not life changing like people make it out to be. Maybe I'm saying Beyonce because I just knew her first, and it's just Beyonce, yeah. little Destiny's Child. Uh, how about one year ago on this date, the number one song was Driver's License. By Olivia Rodrigo. That's crazy that that was a year ago. To me, it seems like that should have been like two years ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't... It, like, that's what confused me Usher's about Usher's You Got It Bad was like six years ago in my book. But Olivia Rodrigo, that was like two, three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Time makes no sense. It doesn't. And I still think 2008 was like two years ago. Yeah. I was like 2008 the other day. I was like, dude, in 2008, I was 13. I just got to ride my bike to the pop machine in Liberal, and I was like, fuck yeah. At 13? Yeah, I got to ride my bike in the street when I was 10. 
I found that out when I was seven. Talk about a long three years of just riding it in the driveway of rocks. I had an asphalt street and was like, this is smooth as hell. And at 13, it was like, you can go to the pot machine. My parents used to have this weird thing where we could not cross the railroad tracks. That was kind of my parents because I ha- I, we were forced. If we were going to go anywhere in town on our bikes, you would have mm-hmm. to cross railroad my, tracks. My mom did a good job of boxing us in with landmarks. We could not cross railroad tracks. We could not cross highways. Ooh. That was it. But every once in a while, we'd sneak to Casey's, which was across the highway. <laughs> Hope my mom's not listening. That was a t- I rode my bike to Casey's one time to get a gallon of milk. On tell the truth Thursday. A gallon of milk on a, a bicycle? They didn't want to ride. They didn't want to take the truck for a two-minute ride across town. So they said, my little happy ass on a bike ride. That's about a mile and a half bike ride. Yeah. And it took forever. And that by the time warm. I got back, it was dark. And I was scared. <laughs> Because there's those druggies that walk around liberal trying to talk to everybody, and I'm sitting here with this gallon of milk. Tell the truth Thursday. I dropped the gallon of milk and broke it and had to go back and get another one. So I made that trip one and a half times. That's a workout. It was. And I never went back on my bike. Movies. Movies. Number one, uh, 10 years ago, was Liam Neeson, The Gray. Have you seen that movie? I don't think – is that with the wolves? Yes. Yes, I've seen it's it. It's where he's on the plane to begin the movie. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, it's been <laughs> fucking 10 years, so like, get on Netflix or something. Uh, but he's, it's the plane crash at the beginning of the movie that like wrecked me, no pun intended. It, it felt so real, so really real. I haven't seen it in a – I think I saw it when it first came out. It was pretty good. It was like Taken but lost in the wilderness against <laughs> some wolves. <laughs> It was every Liam Neeson movie you've ever seen, except for the Holocaust movie that he did, which was great. I don't think every movie. What was the name of that movie? Schindler's List. Oh yeah, I don't think I've seen that. I'm not heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just I'm not. Did 20 years ago today. I was even sitting here thinking this. I have it in the rundown. I thought there's no way that was 20 years ago today. Black Hawk Down. That was the first movie that made me cry. 20 years ago. Yeah. That was the first movie that made you cry? I was a kid, dude. <laughs> Why were you not watching Lion King? You didn't cry the first time you watched Lion King? I saw it coming the whole time. I mean, the, you're over there fighting with your brother. Will the Beast coming down the thing. There wow. goes the dad. I was more worried about Simba dying. I saw the dad dying. Sorry, I didn't know you were Team Scar. I wasn't Team Scar. I just knew what Scar was going to do. Uh, he hated whatever. him the whole time. You're probably laughing with the hyenas. You don't even care. Oh, I honestly, kid. I thought the hyenas were the good time for the longest time because I did. I was too young to process the movie. I was like, look at all these fucking animals, man. They're just fighting. Like, oh, now you're just there's elephant elephant bones. <laughs> that's crazy. Talking bird. That's cool. When Lion King came out, I had a uh, an older cousin that said, like, hey, have you been to see Lion King yet? And I was a little kid, and I didn't want to seem like a loser or anything like that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I've seen Lion King. And then she says, isn't it super sad when Mufasa dies? I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't seen the movie. (laughs) And then so I knew watching the movie as a kid, he was about to die. Still cried. (laughs) Yeah, I think for some reason I always kind of overlooked how dramatic that part was because, again, I saw it coming. I was like, I don't really want to watch a cartoon die. I've already seen Bambi. That was rough enough as it was. Mom just disappears. So and then like I literally watched Bambi and then a year later went deer hunting for the first time. That's how, like, that movie progressed into my life. I was just like, uh, where's baby at? Dad's like, I don't know. Shoot the fucking deer. We need the meat. 
But watching The Lion King. It wasn't even a real movie. My favorite part of The Lion King was like, uh, what was it? Timon and Pumbaa. Like eating the bug. Like that little segment of the movie always kept my interest. And then when, is it Timon that hops in the, the water and turns it into a hot tub because he's farting? Thought it was hysterical as a kid. <laughs> and then he gets out and the water stops bubbling and they like look at one another and they're like, oh my God, that's disgusting. I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> I don't exactly remember that part. Maybe that was Lion King one and a half. It was somewhere in one. <laughs> there were a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they went like full uh, Lion King two and then like, psych, let's go back in between the two. <laughs> and figure out a franchise out of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, a great franchise though. But that's a little throwback Thursday for you because it made me feel old. Mm-hmm. Like, I can remember watching... Black Hawk Down, and obviously do the math. I was a teenager, and it's a phenomenal movie. Like it, it is really very, is very good. Kind of terrifying that something like that's really going down, but very good movie. It's a true story. Yeah. All right, that is it for us today, though. We thank you guys for joining us, and of course, our great guest to begin the show, Danny Heifetz. Uh, Spoiler alert, I bet we have him on more. He was a great guest for us. But we do thank you guys. Don't forget about our great sponsor to end the show, Roper Kia. You can mention us right here at Miked Up. They will give you $1,000 off your nicer, newer ride, Big Country. And I'm back tomorrow, same time, same channel, 10 a.m., right here in the call-in app. We thank you guys again.